0: I'm sorry for your loss. Thanks, but it's over now. Let's just leave it at that. Stila would be glad. Her sacrifice gave Onderon its freedom.
1: But at what cost? It's like you once said, many lives get caught between the Republic and the Separatists.
0: I did say that once, but after watching your heroics and the selflessness of the Jedi, I do believe the Republic is the right side to be on.
1: What do you mean?
0: Dendip has appointed me the new Senator of Onderon. I will follow in my mother's footsteps, and I will bring us back to the Republic. Remember this day the day Onderon became free again. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure, because it's time to send in the clones in this episode! end up appoints Steeler as the commanding general in the deciding conflict against the dastardly King Rash and the Separatist forces now employing fearsome droid gunships. All will soon learn that war has its price in victory or defeat. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy, Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Steeler to my entire planet of Onderon.
1: It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello, everyone.
0: And we are going to talk about the 92nd episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology written by Chris Collins, as this whole Onderon arc has been. And this one is directed by Bosco, and it's Season 5, Episode 5, Tipping Points. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know, how big was your grin when Anakin answers Obi-Wan's question about who in the galaxy would be running around with a bunch of missiles with one word... With one name
1: Hondo I love Hondo So yeah Anytime we can see Hondo It's a lot of fun But it's also kind of I don't know It's very real You know <laughs> I mean, This episode is one that That is just It's wrapping up this arc Of course not Seeing this before I know it happens I know it goes down yep. You know I'm, I'm, Of course I'm excited to see It play out again But it is kind of a sad Bittersweet ending but yeah, man, anytime you can have Hondo, any I mean, seriously, can Hondo just be in every episode? Just even if he just yeah. shows up and goes, you know, just says something smart, you know, it's just, uh, I love Hondo.
0: Yeah, I love how when the terrifying new droid gunships arrive at their location, Hondo's all,
1: oh my, look at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's my, <laughs> well, my work here is done. I love it. I
0: love it. He's just always gold every time. But, of course, the main thing that we're going to talk about in this episode, Robbie, that is Steeler Guerrero. And before we get to the end, let me ask you this. On the four-star Robbie scale of sweetness, where does that super sweet moment between Steela and Lux sit when Steela finally plants a big fat smooch on Lux? And then Lux climbs aboard his dragon with Ahsoka. And she's not troubled by it at all. She just gives Lux the good old, well, someone's a lucky boy, eyebrow raise, and she gives him the good old attaboy punch to the shoulder. And this is maybe a moment that could maybe not work for some people. Maybe it's predictable or cliched or saccharine. But where does it sit on that four star Robbie Skeller sweetness? Because I'm going to tell you, it's pretty high on mine.
1: Yeah, I think I'd give it a three and a half because there's a little bit of hesitation there. And I don't know if that was intentional or maybe, you know, maybe the animation's a little clunky, you know, or whatever. But to me, it played off as almost a hesitation. Like, how do I react to this? And then she's like, you know what? He's my friend. It really comes down to it. He's my friend, and you know what? Yep. Good on you. You know what I mean? And it's just, it is kind of a nice moment. Yeah,
0: I like that about it. There's the shot showing her in the background of Lux when he's sort of wide-eyed, and, oh, my God, what just happened? And she is sort of looking down and thinking, huh, what just happened? But by the time he climbs up with her, she's made the decision that this is how it is, and I'm good with it. And, yeah, I really like that scene. And, of course, the main part of the episode, Robbie, I mean... How do we get into this let's start with the part where ahsoka telling lux as Stila flies back to the nest to provide support for her troops and the king or ahsoka comments that Stila sure does like to lead from the front you know what she says something about she like, likes to lead by example and lux replies what good will that do if she gets herself killed and at the time i didn't even note it down because the show does so many of these little callbacks to classic star wars dialogue so often that while they're fun and I enjoy them every time, they're also so common that they're sort of unremarkable, you know? I don't even usually bring them up when we talk about the episodes just because they're just part of the fabric of the show, you know? And I assumed that this time it would be the same. Little did I know, Robbie, that this time that was going to echo through the episode and will echo through into the future because, of course, Saw, we know he lasts at least up until Rogue One, and he's going to carry this with him. But the thing that really hit me was the way the animators played Lux's response to steal a falling. I just thought it was nothing short of masterful the way that they played this mix of disbelief and horror and grief. Not just in the expression on his face but in his body language. The way he sort of was stumbling. And I love how they didn't overplay it. They don't have him drop to his knees. He stays on his feet but he's wobbly, right? And they don't have him shout a cliched No! They don't have any of that in there. He just gives an almost he doesn't say anything. He doesn't make a sound. He just gives an almost imperceptible shake of his head where he's thinking you can tell he's thinking no he's in disbelief but it's so subtle and so beautiful and the whole thing is shot looking upward from in front of poor Ahsoka as she turns back to look at her heartbroken friend and between that and Kevin Kiner ramping up the angelic choir on the score I don't mind admitting that I might have shed a tear or two at that moment Robbie. maybe there was a tear or two rolling down my cheek <laughs> I thought it was pretty much perfectly played and it did come as a shock to me because even before Ahsoka using the force to pull her up I was thinking wow well, those dragons are flying around surely one of them is going to catch her but that's not what happens and we're left with Ahsoka and Lux and especially Saw having to deal with the death of Steela Guerrera.
1: Yeah I mean it's uh, the way that that whole scene plays out you almost feel like At least for me, it was like when she saves him, you're kind of like, oh, is she going to lose her grip and fall? And then I like the way that they do it because it wasn't like Ahsoka made a choice to save somebody. Right. You know, to save one over the other. She's saving both of them.
0: Well, she's saving Lux first because he doesn't have a hold on anything. He is falling. Right. And she is at least, I mean, temporarily secure. Lux is on his way off, so she has to save him first.
1: Right. But I just really like the way that it plays out and that it's not, there's not... Feeling or anything into that, right. it's literally like you said. It just plays out the way it plays out, and the way that the you know that gunship or whatever ends up shooting Ahsoka to basically force her into dropping Stila, it's heartbreaking and it's really really good. I love that Saw blames himself, even though you know we all know that it's not Saw's fault. You know that that happened. It's just like there are certain things where you know people blame themselves for things that are completely out of their control, but because they might have made a decision that led to that. It's still not their fault. And it's one of those things that, especially when you're watching the show, before we saw Rebels, before we saw Rogue One, we wonder if Saul will ever come to that realization that him destroying the droid gunship was a good thing and that it ended in tragedy isn't something that is a direct cause of what he did. You know what I'm saying? It's right. You have to separate yourself from that. And it's just one of those things that is uh, really interesting about Saw's character is that, yeah, he never really gets over it.
0: Speaking of those new droid gunships, Robbie, I mean, these are brand new hardware, right? These sort of evil-looking gunships. We haven't seen these before,
1: have we? They're actually in Episode 3. Right. Or a version of them are in Episode 3 in the Kashyyyk, I guess, battle sequence. They're there, but... They're not really... It's not something that they used in the Clone Wars before, but it is something that they used in Episode 3. And, of course, it's uh, something we also see in in the the recent Mandalorian episodes, too. So, I... Man, I gotta tell you, these are some of my favorite Separatist ship designs. I just love this thing. I love the way that it really is just a big droid, but it also is so menacing-looking, and I love, I guess, the rockets that they're shooting and the, the trails that they use. It just... For some, I guess it just reminds me of, I had it's hard to say this without sounding strange or something, but I really, it's a, it's like beautiful violence, you know, those rockets, the way they go off and the, the smoke trails, is just cool looking, yeah. you know? And I mean, yeah. even though it, you almost harken back to some of those choppers they used in Vietnam, you know what I mean? It's hard to explain. It's really cool looking.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, there is that old Truffaut saying, I think it's Truffaut says it right in the f- way that it's pretty much impossible to make an anti-war film because there is just something naturally thrilling about war but one of the scenes in this episode you would think would pretty much qualify and that's the scene where the droid ship arrives at the nest landing platform and it just lays waste to like a dozen rebel troops it's so brutal and of course the scene doesn't just stop there they have one of the commando droids shoot the last soldier in the shoulder and then after he asks her to tell them where the king is and she defies them she gets shot i mean off screen we don't see the shot happen but she gets shot down as well but just the scene where that droid ship arrives and there's all of those rebels on that platform i didn't count but it looks like there's a dozen of them and it just mows them down with almost impunity i mean the rebels don't get a single shot on the ship we know these ships are basically impervious to laser fire to blaster fire and the commando droids don't get taken out it was just a super brutal scene Another note that I made was that when Anakin walks up to Hondo, one of Hondo's men is covering Anakin with a good old fork slingshot. Did you see that? He's got a slingshot.
1: I did. did. It's like, what what are you going to do?
0: That scene was a lot more fun to me than watching all those rebels get mowed down so brutally. And another thing that I liked about the episode was Dooku's decision at the end to withdraw. And in some way you could say, well, they need to wrap up the arc, so they need to conclude the conflict in some way. So it's just... uh, convenient decision that Dooku makes but I did think it also made plenty of sense from Dooku's point of view that you know he's maybe stretched across the galaxy he's got a lot of wars to fight and if this one is not going his way maybe he needs his resources elsewhere at that time and they'll come back and try and add another point but you know, I just like that we see this sort of pragmatic side of Dooku. He knows when to hold them and he knows when to fold them.
1: Yep. I almost didn't want Kalani to just take out King Rash right there, you know, and I almost want to see the actual overthrowing. Right. Instead of, you know, basically them just being able to walk right back in and go, okay, well, I guess I guess we're done. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, I I get what you're saying, though. It's like okay, he knows that the opposition is too strong at this point and there's just no reason to to continue here. But it is kind of cool to see Dooku know, like you said, know when to fold him.
0: And of course, after we say goodbye to King Rash, Robbie, that's where we say our final goodbye to Steela. We have her funeral service and Anakin and Obi-Wan are back on the scene there. They are still watching over Ahsoka. And the whole scene, I guess it reminded me a little bit of Naboo at the end of episode one, but... Not really. I mean, it was still kind of its own thing. And I like that all of them paid tribute to Steela. And I like that Obi-Wan talked about how she wouldn't just remain as a force in the spirit of the Onderon people, but she would be part of both him and Anakin and obviously Ahsoka as well going forward.
1: Yeah, and I love... There's something about the way that Obi-Wan calls Ahsoka our Padawan. Yeah. I mean, is, is he just saying our Padawan as in the Jedi's Padawan? Or it almost felt like, I don't know, like he and Anakin are parents in a way. Yeah. And it's just, uh, there's something really just kind of beautiful about that. But it was also, you know, there's a sense of pride there for Obi-Wan too, I think. So I just really, really enjoyed that little moment.
0: Yeah, one thing that's been notable in these episodes when Ahsoka hologram. Skypes in or, you know, hologram FaceTimes to the Jedi's is that Obi-Wan is always there with Anakin and Obi-Wan is usually standing in front and he is still kind of taking the lead on guiding Ahsoka throughout pretty much all of this experience except for the part about the feelings that she has for Lux, you know, there is where Anakin sort of Mm -hmm. steps up and he's the one who, you know, mentors her and reassures her during that part, but Obi-Wan is the lead guy on this whole Onderon project and so we've seen his relationship with Ahsoka over the years grow as well, which you know it was understandable given that this is his Padawan's Padawan or his former Padawan's Padawan but yeah I really like that stuff too and speaking of stuff we like Robbie let's talk about our favorite shot of the episode I've got a whole bunch of notes about great looking shots in in this episode it's one of the most striking episodes of the show when it comes to I guess cool stuff or striking stuff but why don't you go first so I don't steal any of yours what was your favorite shot of tipping points
1: my favorite shot of the episode is right at the beginning when Lux and Ahsoka are flying around and their arrival kind of at their camp. There was just something really beautiful about the way that that was composed. And it's almost like, I don't know, I guess you could say it's sort of like the calm before the storm. But I just really, really like that shot.
0: Yeah, I've got a whole bunch. I've got six here noted down, Robbie. One of them is that long shot near the start of Ahsoka when she climbs to the roof in the background with the denned up massive hologram face in the foreground and this is just before she climbs up to board lux's rooping dragon and like you mentioned before how cool these new droid ships look there's a scene where we first get introduced to them when they rise up into view above king rash's palace balcony just before kalani gives them their orders to fly out and attack the nest And there's a cool scene where Steela blows one of those droid ships out of the sky with her rocket launcher and being so cool, she turns away and doesn't even watch it crash, right? (laughs) She shoots it down, it's starting to go down, she just turns away and she's on to the next thing. And there was even a little note I've got here about Anakin's Starfighter coming in to land at Hondos. Just looked super cool. But the two that I'm sort of tossing up between, one is a POV shot from the back of Saw's rooping as he swoops in Mm. and he drops grenades on the tanks and then that switches to the ground troops POV shot and it's the classic shot of you know here comes the here come the fighters here comes the air force and the troops on the ground sharing and whooping and it was similar to that one that we had back in landing at point rain the geonosis episode when the y-wings come in mm-hmm. those shots are always fun to me but i think that i have to give it to the close-up on ahsoka trying to force lift steeler to safety and of course we know that in the end it doesn't go well but i just thought it was a cool new angle on ahsoka really leaning into it really trying to do her best to save a life That just it was crammed cool and it was just a cool close-up and so that's my shot of the episode and the episode with a whole ton and so before we bring this one for a landing robbie we need to sum up we need to give our rating so after your latest watch of tipping points how did you like it and where does tipping points sit on that four star robbie scale
1: well i find that this one is i mean it's definitely a solid episode it definitely wraps up this arc very nicely. Sets Saw up to go on his journey. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. But for me, I think it sits slightly behind the previous episode because, as you know, I'm all about character. Yep. And character is a little more important. So I, even though we don't learn as much about our characters, I still enjoy the episode quite a bit. I'm going to give this one a three and a quarter out of four stars.
0: Yeah, I've got this in line with the last episode at an eight. I don't
1: know if I like this one
0: a little bit more because of the action scenes are so amazing and just because of the incredible work that they did especially with Lux's reaction to Steela's death I mean that whole thing even if I you know I mean I sort of have to put aside my thing about wondering well wait where were the dragons again you know why didn't it? I mean I've got to put aside all that and just take it for what it is and I thought that was just beautifully handled but like you say there wasn't any more character development sort of stuff and I'm not even saying that it was needed but it's just I mean I'm tying myself a nuts it's 8 I'm going to give it 8 Roger Droids getting squashed by a dinosaur's butt out of 10 (laughs) we didn't talk about that scene at the start start where those 3 Roger Droids get taken out almost accidentally during the uh when the uprising starts and the furor after the hologram messages kick off and i just wanted to finish on a bit of a lighter note on an episode in which of course we get a pretty heavy moment but that's mission accomplished for season five episode five tipping points so robbie won't you please let the troops out there know if they want to tell us how they like or don't like tipping points or if they want to pay tribute to a fallen leader what are our communications channels
1: we are Bucho and robbie at gmail twitter and instagram That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y.
0: Yes, sir. And, of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 93rd episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology. It's Season 5, Episode 6, The Gathering. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie. And we salute Steela Guerrera. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show at iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Boocho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Robbie at gmail.com.
1: The force will be with you. Always.